Well, good morning to everyone. Greetings in Jesus' name. It's good to be gathered in the house of God. We are still in the land of the living. And so it is important for us to set our hearts and minds to the things that are eternal. It's been a very uh, busy week, very stressful. I'd like to turn our attention to some of the uh, some of the eternal things of God. How we should conduct ourselves in this present life and prepare for the world to come. I'd like for you to turn with me to First. Uh, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians. <laughs> Chapter Maybe before I read this passage here, I'd just like to um, talk a bit about what led me to thinking about this, and and it's in regard to uh, the passing of Sister Becky, who passed away Friday morning, and just thinking about her sickness and how we had prayed for her healing. And God saw fit to call her from this life into his eternal abode. And that's one that we are um, closely connected with, but there are others who have passed from this life into the next. Um, I have a cousin about my age who had a son. 26 years old, I believe it was. This past week, he was in a motorcycle accident and he perished. He didn't die at the scene. They rushed him to the hospital, but he died at the hospital. And so his funeral was yesterday. As you can imagine, that being very sudden, where one moment he's full of life, has plans, he has some place to go, he has something to do, he has all of his life stretching before him, except that it wasn't much of a stretch, it was only moments, and then he's gone. There's another sister in Wisconsin passed away, also from cancer. Brother Mark Heyman is left alone. His wife has departed this life 
funeral also on Tuesday, I believe it is. So that's a reality. We, we live here in the land of the living, and some have called it the land of the dying. And that is also true. Um, Brother Dean mentioned how earlier this, well, it would have been last week, I guess, when her condition was deteriorating and they were conversing about the reality that she may not live long and talking about dying. And then Dean just mentioned that when he said something about her dying, uh, she, she made the comment, well, we're all going to die. And it's just important that we be prepared for when we, when we pass from this life. And that is very true, and I think it's appropriate for us to reflect on that and think about the importance of being prepared for the world to come and what will come after this life. So I'd like to read here to begin with the Second Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in all Achaia, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same suffering which we also suffer, Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, when that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Now several things I want to particularly mention in this passage. He refers to God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There in verse 3 he says, The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. And then there's um, 
in verse 8, he mentions about the distresses they had, and he says, insomuch that we despaired even of life. So we can only picture a bit of what it might have been like in his mind and thoughts as he realized that they might not live. It would be rather, uh, a rather sobering uh, thought. But then he says this, he said, we have the sentence of death in ourselves. The sentence of death, it's, it's, he's, he's saying, I believe, that we're all going to die. We're all going to die. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. And there he refers to that hope of eternal life. That, that same faith that kept Job, who said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And he also said that even if I die, yet in my flesh will I see God. He had that hope of eternal life. And so did Paul here, and he said, Who delivered us from so great a death? Now, I'm not exactly sure what he is referring to by delivered from so great a death, but it seems to me in mentioning here about being raised from the dead, he may be making reference to that eternal death or that second death. And the fact that salvation in Christ is what keeps us from that so great a death. Because how sad is it when people die who have no hope? That would be so great a death. Then he says, and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Well, as we think about our mortality, there are several things that we have to reckon with. They, they seem to be a bit of a, a paradox, if you will. Uh, but God calls us to have faith in him. Like Paul did here, even when they despaired of life, Paul still had faith. Why did he still have faith? Because he knew that whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And so it didn't matter, really. In, in, the final, um, in the final end, if it's God's will for us to go, that's fine. If it's God's will for us to stay, he will preserve us. But we have this sentence of death. We're all going to die. And so we should live that whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And I really believe that was the heart of our sister, Becky. Uh, you know, having struggled with cancer for a year, 
having some uh, recovery from it, seemed like it had uh, gone in remission, or it was hoped at least that it would be gone, and yet it came back, and in the end she died. Now there are questions that come to us, and I'd just like to talk about them a bit. In this matter of faith and death and sickness, you know there are some who say that, well, it's not God's will for any to be sick. I've heard statements like that from people I know. It's not God's will for anyone to be sick. And their line of thinking is that sickness is a result of sin and of things that God is, you know, God is not the author of all that, and so this must be of the devil when we're sick. And therefore, we should have faith. And if you have faith and believe, you can be healed. And so the emphasis is on praying in faith that you be healed. Well, there are several things I'd like to address in that thought and just to put our minds at rest in what God says about sickness and about death. First of all, we need to recognize that we are mortal and in our mortality we are subject to death. Not only death, but also death by sickness. Sickness is a part of our mortality. Only when we are immortal will we no longer have any threat of sickness. But in this life, when we're mortal, we are subject to sicknesses just like other people. And so to say that Um, to say that it's not God's will that anybody be sick, well, is it God's will that anybody be tempted to sin? Well, not really. In a temptation, God always makes a way to escape. So we can't blame God when we sin, but we can't really say either that God tempts any man to sin because he doesn't. Specifically tells us God does not tempt anyone to sin. So we could say, well, it's not God's will for us to be tempted either because God doesn't tempt any man. But we know that in this life we do face temptations. It's, It's a reality of our existence and our mortality. And so it is, I believe, with sickness, we might be sick. And while that may not be uh, God's will, and if we look at the example of Job, who suffered sickness as was allowed by God, it was Satan's design for his destruction. But God turned it to good. And Job was able to endure with patience the afflictions that came upon him. And so we in faith, 
may need to endure some of the sicknesses or afflictions that come our way. And in that, simply having faith that whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Now there was an account Paul gave of a man that he left somewhere uh, or, well there were several accounts I guess, but in one case he talked about a man being sick unto death, but the Lord had mercy and he, this man recovered. Well, does that mean that the Christians then, uh, if they're real Christians, they won't die from sickness? No, I don't think that's what it means. Uh, there was another case where, well, let, let's turn to the next passage I like to look at, and that is in 2 Timothy chapter 6. No, not, not 6, it's chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. like to read from verse 6 onward, but I'd like to call your attention to verse 20, where he simply makes this statement, Trophimus, have I left at my letum sick? And that was just one of the statements of various things that were taking place and, and what was happening, and, and so he left one of his helpers uh, sick at a certain place. And I gather from that that it was not Paul's view that everyone who had faith would just automatically uh, not have sickness or that they would pray and, and be delivered from the sickness. Now, I don't think that means that he didn't uh, believe in prayer or that he didn't have faith it just simply meant that sometimes, as in Paul's own case, where he prayed for deliverance from a thorn in the flesh, and God didn't grant him the deliverance that he sought, but said that his grace would be sufficient for him to go through this. Now I'd like to read, and as I read this passage here, Second Timothy 6, verse I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 4, verse 6. Paul is speaking for himself. And just picture his, his thoughts, his, his line of thinking as he considers the end of life. And here's what he says. I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, 
For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute Priscilla and Aquila in the household of Onesephorus. Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletum sick. Do thy diligence to come before winter. Eubulus greeteth thee, and Prudence, and Linus, and Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. Now compare what he says in the beginning of this passage where he says, I am ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. It seems he had a word from the Lord, an understanding in his mind that this is the end. It's it's getting close. And he expressed his confidence that he had finished his course. He had kept the faith. Now, Compare that to what he says later in verse 17. He says, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And it's a bit uncertain because there's not a lot of details exactly what he meant by the mouth of the lion. Was he talking about the possibility of having been thrown to the lions at the Colosseum? Was he making a reference to the ruler who sought his death? But in any case, it says, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And he said, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. Now, He trusted that God would deliver him from every evil work, but that didn't mean that he wasn't going to die. Because he had said just prior, the time of my departure is at hand. And we know from history that he was was, uh, executed for his faith. But here was his confidence. He said... The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work 
and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. Did the Lord preserve him to his heavenly kingdom? And the answer is yes. Paul clearly believed that. We are confident that he went to be with the Lord. But he did die for his faith. He was beheaded at Rome. Now, his confidence was that the Lord would preserve him unto his heavenly kingdom. Just to reemphasize that, let's turn to First uh, Corinthians fourteen. Sorry, I've got the wrong reference in mind there. I'm sorry. This is the trouble I get into when I preach without notes. Romans 14. Sorry. Romans chapter 14. And I'm kind of picking out a few comments in a, in a little bit of a different subject here. Paul is addressing the issue of, of receiving our brother and not, um, not having disputations. Now one brother esteeming one day better than another and so on. But here's what he says in verse 7. None of us liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. And in this context, he's, he's emphasizing that all of what we do should be in, in light of the fact that we have to answer to the Lord. It's, and then he says, for to this end... 
Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. And that was his uh, concluding thought there, is that all of our life needs to be in recognition that we will give an account to God. And so it's not so much whether we die from a sickness or whether we have faith to be healed and recover. It's a matter of living a life that is in such a place that we can say with Paul, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And in a resigned way that we can say whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And that it's not a matter of if I have enough faith I will be healed. And I'm not discounting that at all. I do believe in faith and I do believe in healing. But at the same time we recognize that in our mortality we don't know the day of our death. There are some who are granted that. For example, our sister Becky knew that the end was near. All this all the evidence indicated that it wouldn't be long. And she even knew that before she lost uh, her consciousness and, and while she could still think, she realized that unless something changes in the opposite direction, the end is near. The family could see that. And so there was a time of preparation. But the other uh, young man I mentioned, he was in an accident. It just happens in a moment. You know, in one moment, it's life, everything's fine, everything's good. We have our plans, and the next moment it, it changes, and they're gone. And we don't know whether that's our lot or not. So as you grapple with these thoughts of what does it mean to have faith? Why do some people die? Why are some people called home early, like our sister was? Why are some granted life? Well, those things we, we can't answer with certainty because we don't know. But we do know that God calls all of us to think seriously about today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to get right with God. Today is the day to live unto the Lord so that 
we may say, even though we, it's not something we talk about every day, but we, in the back of our mind, should recognize that whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And also remember that in that first passage we read that God is the God of all comfort. And that really struck me as I sat with Brother Dean this week and he was just expressing his sorrow and his, how difficult it will be. And it will be. It will be very difficult for him. And yet... God calls himself the God of all comfort. And we simply need to reach out in faith. Um, you know, praying for our brother and encouraging him to, you know, while we weep with him and sorrow with him, also just acknowledge that God is the God of all comfort. And what struck me was, as I pondered that, was the verse that talks about the Lord knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. And so the difficulty that Dean will go through is not unknown to God. And neither are any of our troubles or difficulties unknown to God. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And in times like this, we simply reach out in faith. As Dean has expressed numerous times, that he is simply choosing to just trust God. He talked about the... uh, the promise that all things work together for good to them who love God. And he said, I just pray that I can love God enough that it will all work out for good. But I can't see how. At this point, he said, I just don't, it just doesn't seem that way. But I want to love God enough that it will work out for good. That's an encouraging testimony. And I would just say it's some of what all of us need to grab a hold of, too, is that I want to live that whether I live or whether I die, we are the Lord's. And we should put our confidence in him. May the Lord bless you with that.